Welcome everybody to the 10th episode of the Struggling Scientist podcast. This is a podcast by scientists, for scientists, anyone science adjacent and perhaps even hobbyists. I am Susanna and I'm here with my co-host Jeron. Hi. Today we're going to do another episode of the Science Life series uh, and we're going to talk about a cursed experiment. I believe it's called the cursed experiment. Yeah, yeah, it, it deserves a D. It does. Okay, let's start. So this is already our 10th episode, which means it's uh, our anniversary episode, I guess. Woo! Yay. <laughs> Such enthusiasm. Such enthusiasm. That's well, why we want to talk. I had fun, the 10 past 10 episodes. Oh, that's why we want to talk about the cursed experiment to celebrate, right? Uh-huh. It it all was fine in the end. Wow. Such <laughs> <laughs> <So much> positive. <laughs> I mean, when I heard, uh, I saw you like thinking about like, what what was everything that went wrong? And like COVID was number 10 for something on the list. Yeah, uh, I almost forgot about COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So forgettable. <laughs> I think I'm in denial. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I almost forgot to put COVID on the list. Yeah, it didn't quite, it barely cracked the top 10. Yeah, I know. So much stuff went wrong. Oh, well, the only reason I'm willing to talk about this even is that the final results were okay. So during all of this, just remember, the final results were nice. It was exactly what we wanted. So. And if it wasn't, then uh, this would totally be reserved to our... Uh... No, if it wasn't, then uh, I wouldn't have been willing to talk about this at all. <laughs> <laughs> we, we bury it, never speak of it. Yes, this. never speak of it again. So, uh, do we want to say anything else about this being an anniversary episode? or Number 10 is a big enough number. This is double digits. So, yeah, I mean, just get started and I will uh, react as uh, amazingly as I always do. Like, huh. <laughs> okay, so the cursed experiment. Now, we all know that experiments fail, right? And that's part of the job. Uh, sometimes results aren't what you're hoping for. Sometimes stuff just goes wrong. You can get infections, which is a disaster that haunts most scientists' nightmare, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's all part of our sometimes very frustrating job. And you learn to deal with these setbacks and come back the next day with a fresh mindset and try again. But sometimes you have... An experiment like this one that just feels cursed. It's so, so bad. Everything that can go wrong goes wrong. Murphy's Law is nothing, basically. <laughs> and um, so this is a story of one of those cursed experiments that uh, will forever haunt me, even though the end result was a happy ending, I guess. So this cursed experiment all started out with a very interesting project, one that is still one of my favorite projects. Um, and it's all is about primary bone marrow derived macrophages. So macrophages that I isolate from mice and um, that we then use for um, experiments, basically. And I'm, of course, in cholesterol metabolism. So in this case, we found that if we simulate high cholesterol in a cell, that then the lipid profile of those cells, so the phospholipids that make up their plasma membrane, basically, uh, have very specific changes. And there's one that wasn't described before. And what was really interesting is that we actually had an idea of um, why this change happened. 
So we we had a gene that we thought that was causing this that went up also when we simulated this high cholesterol in the cell. So what we wanted to test was um, if this gene is actually directly responsible for this difference in the lipid membrane that we saw. Now, this is all things that I discovered basically in my uh, function as a PhD student, I guess. And <laughs> it's one of my favorite projects because the fact that I got to investigate something that I discovered myself, that's not that's not something that happens a lot. You often work on either a project that your PI likes or that your predecessor has found and then you continue on it. My other projects are like that, but this one is one I like found myself. So I was really excited to get started on this and to um to um investigate this. But one of the most important experiments for this was um that we wanted to either overexpress our gene that we thought was responsible or knock down our gene that we thought was responsible in these bone marrow-derived macrophages and then see if this stopped the lipid profile change, basically. Does that make sense? Yeah, so okay. far, yeah. Good. <laughs> but then again, I am also biased because you've told me this before. That is true. Okay, well, I hope that it makes sense. So what we what we wanted to do was make knockdown and overexpression cells. Now, that, this is something that happens a lot in our lab, at least. Uh, it's a very normal thing to do. And normally we do this um, with viruses. And also in this case, we wanted to do that. We wanted to use SHRNAs to make the knockdown and um, also Pilentes to make the overexpression. So in our institute, we have this very nice database of SHRNA constructs. And you can just search that for your gene. And then usually you uh, find it and then you can get your construct ready to go and you can basically start knockdown, your knockdown experiment the next day. And before that and ever since then, every gene I've searched for has always been in there. But of course, not this one. So that made it a lot more difficult. Yeah, you're um, going to have to work for this one. Yeah, already from like the get-go, it, it, started, it started difficult. Um, but I mean... No problem, we can work around that. So I learned to how to design these SHRNA constructs myself and I made them um, into um, a pilentiplasmid that was recommended by my colleague. And this uh, uh, specific uh, plasmid already, um, if, I would, if I would clone it correctly with the correct entry plasmid, there would even be a GFP tag attached to my SHRNAs, which makes it super easy and nice because then you get fluorescent cells when it's working. And what more can a researcher want than nice green fluorescent cells, right? Uh, to know that your experiment is working. Mm -hmm. So this sounded all amazing. And she already had made it work before. So I was just going to do this and it was, this was going to work, right? <laughs> totally. Um, however, I cloned them all together. Uh, uh, and it, it didn't matter what I did, how I made the virus. They just didn't work. Even even like easy cells like HEC293s, they just didn't turn green and nothing happened. So somehow these constructs, just something was wrong, mm -hmm. but we couldn't really figure out what it was. And yeah, I, I th still think it has something to do with this pilentiplasmid that I was using at the time. And yeah, I don't know. Everything else seemed to be correct, but it just wasn't working. So we had to go back to the drawing board with this because I was trying like everything and nothing was working. Um, the virus just didn't, wasn't made cor correctly, I guess. 
Um, and then Corona happened, and this was the one that I almost forgot. <laughs> so uh, we we had to go into lockdown for a bit, and we weren't allowed to um, work in the lab. Um, so this project sort of stopped for a bit. But luckily, we soon were allowed to work um, a bit odd hours again. So as long as you made sure that the least amount of people possible were allowed in the lab, we could slowly start things up again. So this was uh, the, a great time to start getting this project back on track. Um, but we left it off with nothing was working. <laughs> so <laughs> a different colleague of mine now uh, recommended a different uh, plasmid. And this is one that I really, really recommend to, to everybody who wants to hear it. And it's a PLNTX one GFP plasmid, and it's absolutely great to make SHRNAs in. So um, I did all the cloning again. Uh, however, because I had added a GFP tag before in my other plasmid, and this plasmid already contained a GFP uh, separate transcription from itself, I needed to start completely from scratch over with the cloning. So, right. so can you explain that again? So what exactly was the difference between this new plasmid and the previous one? So the new plasmid has a GFP tag with a separate promoter and mm -hmm. the old plasmid, one, uh, I had attached a GFP protein to my SHRNAs. Yeah. So I could not use that because then there would be two GFPs. Yeah. And I also didn't know if that GFP was actually the problem mm. th that made stuff not work, you know? Yeah, exactly. So I had to start over. Now, thankfully, luckily, I got the help from a, a technician that I will call M, and she um, already had experiments with, uh, experience with this PLNTX1 construct. So she started helping me, and it was absolutely great. Um, and together, we cloned them again together. Uh, it takes a couple of weeks, of course, especially during corona times where you're still not allowed to work full-time and you have to sort of work out when to do what. But it worked. The cloning, for some reason, the cloning was not really difficult in this project. I don't know. Usually it's the cloning that, that is difficult, but not for us. Um, however, then we wanted to sequence them, and that didn't work. Every time our signal like dropped in the middle of the sequencing, and it took a bit to figure out that we needed to add something to actually detach the hairpin structure because apparently even in the in the cDNA, this hairpin structure would form that the SHRNAs are known for. Mm -hmm. And then we needed to add bet, beta in beta in to detach this from each other so that our sequencing would work normal. Which is a super easy PZ solution in the end. But of course, before you figure that out, <laughs> it yeah, takes you need to while. figure it out, yeah. Yeah. But so how did you guys figure that out then? Uh, had you, have you guys done that before already? That, uh, a tip from somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And then and then it worked. <laughs> Those are the best tips, the ones yes, that actually work. Exactly. I always try to try to spread the tips as much as possible because, yeah. But, okay, sequencing worked. And in the meantime, uh, Em and I were already cloning uh, the overexpression constructs too. I added some nice text to them and... Um, to make sure that I could check the localization. And I also added tags on both sides of the protein and I got to like design it. And that cloning also worked really well. And luckily I really like cloning because I did quite a lot of it, but I really like sort of designing a thing in my mind and then sticking it together and then it actually working when you put it into a cell and then you actually sort of 
have created something that comes to life in cells. And I just think that the whole process is, is so, so cool. It's one of the things I really love about science. Science. So despite all the set setbacks so far, <laughs> I was uh, still quite a happy scientist getting to do this. And um, I mean, we now had knockdowns that were working, that were at least turning hack, uh, basic hack cells, easy cell screen. And we had overexpression construct that also worked in hack cells. So all that was left was to get it into our cells that we were interested in and um, measure, right? Yes, easy peasy. Uh-huh, yeah. Almost there. No. So now anybody that has worked with macrophages probably might have already noticed this problem. But macrophages are made to handle pathogens. They, they are made to get rid of pathogens. And they are so good at also getting rid of your very carefully made nice little virus that you want to get into them. And then they just don't turn green and nothing happens. And they, they are known for that. And I, of course, already knew that. But I mean, this was the point where I finally had something to start trying with. And we, we had a backup plan of using different cells. But since we had found our original effect in these cells, we really, really would have would wanted to use these bone marrow-derived macrophages because that would just be the nicest for the paper. And there were some papers that described that they managed to make it work. So I tried a lot of different protocols and it, it just wasn't really working. There no, I mean, I had at most two cells or something on a plate that turned green while it was working fine on my control cells. And um, yeah, it was difficult. I tried this for, for a long, long time. And I, of course, had already tried it also with the, the previous Pilenti uh, SHRNA construct that I made. So it was quite disheartening. And I honestly thought that this was never going to happen, that it was never going to work. Um, however, I had this random idea that I wanted to try and my PI wasn't really feeling it. He didn't think that was going to work uh, because there was some technical stuff that, that might make it difficult. But I wanted to try it, so I did it anyway. And then all of a sudden I had these green cells. And I really could not believe it. I, I honestly thought that it would it would be a fluke. I didn't want to get my hopes up. I didn't want to believe it. I, I showed some people the green cells. They <laughs> also saw green cells. I wasn't imagining it. But you, you showed know, a lot of people the green cells. I showed like, a lot of people. The, nah, in the, in the months after that, I showed a lot of people the repeatedly. green cells. But I mean, after one time, you don't believe that it actually works if you have already tested it 20 times and it didn't work, right? And I didn't, I didn't think that I could have come up with this random idea that actually would make it work while my PI thought it would be bullshit, basically. <laughs> but I did, I did it again. And again, my cells were so nice and green. And I don't think I have ever showed so many pictures of nice green cells. And I in, hope not. In, like, <laughs> in the months after that, like every, every meeting that I had to talk, I was just showing pictures of green cells and cells that were like a little bit greener because I did this thing like a little bit different and other cells that were just a little bit less green. <laughs> like, and even when you didn't have pictures available, you would just talk and describe that some were greener or less green. Yes, my colleagues learned that if I was uh, uh, smiling and saying that my cells were green, that this, this was a good thing for the rest of the week. <laughs> I remember you just starting conversations with me. It was like, they're green. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is exactly uh, how it worked. So I drove my colleagues pretty crazy. And your boyfriend. <laughs> and my boyfriend, yes. I'm not going to say sorry for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, but but it was working, and I am not going to s- tell the details about my protocol, of course. You can all read it in my uh, upcoming paper, hopefully soon, uh, about how to uh, transduce BOMA drive macrophages. Um, but a major downside of the whole protocol was that every experiment from beginning to end took at least three weeks of work for both M and I. And that's a lot. And it was only if I would skip weekends. So while I was doing this experiment, I would come in in the weekend and also work and also during the week. And But, you know, that was fine because that's part of the PhD life, <laughs> I guess. That's what they always say, at least. And I had the help of, of the amazing help of M and I finally figured out how to do this and I was getting nice results. And I mean, I could give up on a few weekends to make this happen. And it was really a very big, important experiment for my whole project. And uh, it would make or break the whole story, I guess. So the pressure was on to make this work um, ASAP. And it was already a year after I first started designing this SHRNA construct. And we were finally able to make really nice overexpression and knockdowns from drive macrophages. So we had a meeting with the lipidomic department in uh, December. Uh, MRPI, who was also in this meeting, of course, thought that we would be ready by the end of January. Now, this was very, very optimistic already. But honestly, we only had to optimize like a last few things. I just needed to figure, finalize the real amount of virus to add to, to the cells. And um, that was another three weeks of experiment, of course. But that was the last thing I needed to do after the Christmas holiday. And then we would be ready to send these samples in for lipidomics and get it started. So... I was quite happy during Christmas. Uh, I still worked a couple of days during Christmas to just make sure that after Christmas everything was ready to go and and the last few things were checked and make sure that we had cells after Christmas. But I did take a short holiday because honestly I needed it at that point because I had been skipping so many weekends to try to optimize this protocol every time again. And I was just tired. So I needed a short holiday. And then after the holiday, Em and I started making fires again. And then three weeks later, we had the results of this last optimization experiment, but but things went wrong again. And the cells were just not as nice fluorescent as they had been before the holiday, before Christmas. So we thought, okay, this can happen. Sometimes you just make don't don't make as good virus, or there might be a bit less, or the cells were were just defrosted, so maybe it's that. You you don't know what exactly it is. So we tried it again, made sure that we did everything correctly. Um, and again, they weren't as nice green as before. They were still green, but just just not as green as they used to be. And that does matter a lot. That does matter a lot. Well, I mean, yes, it does. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, just given how much you've been speaking about uh, slightly greener. Than, yeah, well, they just needed to be nice and green and they weren't. Yeah. Not as green as I, I am used to. So some something was happening that was going wrong. And we thought that we were just making, for some reason, less virus than we were used to, which meant that we were also adding less virus than we per shell that, than we were used to. So we had to figure out what was going wrong. But we really didn't know because we weren't doing things different than before the holiday. And before the holidays, it was super consistent. And... We had super nice green cells every time. We never really had any problems with that after I started, like, got it working, you know. Um, So we started looking at different things that could maybe explain it. 
Now this virus you always make in uh, hex cells because those are cells that are really good at making viruses. Um, and we just change batch number of FCS and that can matter in cell culture. So we started testing if that was it. I mean, we sort of thought that the median might be turning yellow a bit sooner than normal. In hindsight, it was not. But honestly, you turn into a real conspiracy theorist when you're trying to figure out what, what is going on and what is going wrong with your experiment. We doubted everything. Um, but the, the, comparing it to the old batch of FCS made no difference because, again, we got less well-functioning virus even if we tried that. Mm-hmm. And um, we were trying things. It was already March instead of January by now because every time this experiment took three weeks to try to try different things. So we had planned to send the samples by the end of January, again, too optimistic Very already optimistic. in the beginning, uh, to the lipidomics de- department. But I mean, I was stressing out because it was taking too long. It was like spending months on trying to figure out what was wrong with this, with this virus production. And I just, I just couldn't figure it out. But some other people were also starting to have some, tr- some troubles with cells dying after a normal transfection. So this is not, not virus. This is normal plasmids that you then transfect. But we all use pi for this. So we even tested if the pi might be a problem, if we got a new batch of pi, but also that wasn't, wasn't uh, the cause of the problem. So in the end, we figured it out in March, by, uh, by March, and it turned out that it was the batch of hex cells that we used because after the Christmas holiday, our lab manager had taken a, a earlier passage number of hex cells um, and defrosted those so that we could all freeze them again and would have really nice hex cells to work with after the holidays. And they also looked, again, a bit better because passage numbers in cells does matter. They looked a bit pointier and a bit, bit fresher, I guess. So we were all quite happy with these cells. But it turned out that these, I will call the yum, younger cells than the cells we were working with before Christmas, couldn't handle the pie transfection overnight that we were using. They could only handle five hours. And if you did it overnight, then a lot of your cells died and you just didn't get good virus. And I mean... But how much younger were these cells than the ones that you used previously? Well... We honestly don't exactly know because they weren't that different. Mm-hmm. They they had been frozen by a different person. <laughs> they looked nice and pointy. They looked fine and they, they should have all come from the same original batch. Mm-hmm. So it shouldn't matter that much. But for some reason it did. And um, we could have, of course... Uh, go to the to the five hours transfection, but we we were honestly so fed up by now with this 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 cells being problematic and not working that we just defrosted a vial from before the holidays and and just did the rest of the experiments with the hex cells that maybe were a little bit higher passage number, not that much higher, but at least at least those were making good virus. So who who cares, you know? <laughs> We just we just wanted them, them to make good virus that we could then use on our Bowman Drive macrophages so that they were nice and green again that it mm-hmm. worked. And the first time we tried it with these old cells, older cells, 
they looked absolutely fine and nice and green again. And I was so happy that we finally found this problem. But we we had wasted months on this problem mm. that turned out to be just a stupid batch of cells difference. <sighs> but so no one had the... You don't know of anyone who's sort of encountered similar problems with like heck 293 cells and do this pi problem? Well, our, our entire lab was having this problem. So the rest is now all making sure to not do overnight pi transfections. Mm -hmm. And we are using the older batch of cells. Sure, but presumably like these are sort of the younger heck 293 cells, right? So I guess at some point someone probably had, had tried using them for... Uh, yeah, but they were all they were frozen by people that are not in the lab anymore. And that's like a common problem, of course, that mm. you don't exactly know the details anymore because these people are not around anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. They they sh they should all be the same batch, but we don't know why, but the one cells are just way more sensitive to pi than the other cells. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I was at least happy that my experiment was back on track that I could do do this experiment again that I was getting nice virus. I mean, I also was not doing experiments on these hex cells. I just no, exactly. wanted them to produce the virus. You just needed them to be a factory. I just needed them to be a factory. The the older cells were a better factory. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. It was weird. Um yeah. So we finally figured it out. Wasted three months. And from this moment forward, we decided to not change anything anymore. <laughs> not even something as innocent as defrosting a different kind of hex cell from a different vial. We made sure that we had enough of the cells that were now working and um, not changing anything anymore. So um, my macrophages are green getting green again. I am finally optimizing that last experiment about the amount of virus I need to add. Uh, it was now April instead of end of January. Um, but ever since January, I was working too many days a week. I was spending the weekend there. I was spending the, the week there. Because every time I was doing this experiment and I was hoping that it would be the one time that it would work again. And I, I just wanted it to happen, you know. So I was just overworking myself. So from that point onward, I started planning things with uh, M so that I could take... Uh, so that I could work the weekends, but that I could take at least one day off in a week. But honestly, that's difficult in science because there's still meetings planned. PIs don't really <laughs> take into account when you when you take a day off that, that there shouldn't be meetings then there that day. Mm -hmm. um, so I often still had meetings, even though it was my free day. Um, but I mean, it was okay. But... Well, I thought it was okay, but it got to the point that even my PI started asking if I was okay because I wasn't looking happy and I was looking a bit ashy. And I mean, when Le your PI... Less orangey than usual. Less orangey than yes. But when even your PI starts asking if you're okay, then, then you're in dire state. So I really, really started trying to uh, take a day off during the, during the week at least. But honestly, at that point, it didn't really matter because I could finally start the big experiment for the lipidomics that I was working on towards for now more than 14 months. I was already optimizing this experiment for 14 months. Now, I, I was happy, of course. I thought if I just push myself a little bit more, 
I can finish this experiment. I can do this. It will be super important for my paper. I don't know what will come out of it yet. <laughs> Let's just hope it's positive. But I was sort of pushing that to the back of my mind, not thinking about it. Um, and I was going to do this just gigantic experiment. In the end, I had 30 plates of hex cells to make virus. I had 55 10 centimeter dishes of macrophages because lipidomics just need a lot of sample to measure the lipids in. It was just gigantic. So we we decided to split it in two because uh, the overexpression had its own control anyway and the knockdown had its own control. So we would first do the overexpression cells because that were a bit less samples. And then we would do the knockdowns, which was the really big, big, big experiment. So the overexpression part actually worked quite well. There was an almost miscommunication between Emma and I that almost messed things up, uh, which apparently happens when you try taking days off. Um, but luckily, with some very panicked weekend calls to M, sorry again, M, um, we we figured it out and I did some control experiments to make sure that everything was okay and that now everything was okay. So that experiments worked and um, yeah, it was in the freezer and fine, good, nice. Uh, in the meantime, we all started, started knockdown experiment because I mean, if you can do two experiments at once, you're faster than doing one experiment at a time, right? We're <laughs> biologists here, not mathematicians. <laughs> yes. So, um, and it was already April instead of January. So we had to make that thing happen. Um, and then something happened that I did not expect to see during my science career. Uh, Jen and I came in on a Saturday to work. Oh, yeah, that, yes. yes. <laughs> that also <laughs> happened. Yeah. That also happened, yeah. And there, first, I noticed on my, on, my, on my department, sort of, so we work in the same department, but in different labs. And in my lab, there was something wrong with the air pressure which meant that every time I tried to open a door, I needed to use all my strengths to open it. And then when it opened, it just, the wind swept in through the lab and like all papers went flying. Something was really off. So I called the technical service of our, um, of our building and they would come by and check it out. Now, five minutes later, I was calling them again because Jaron was calling me that it was raining in the South Culture facility <laughs> and that the roof was literally falling down because the water was coming down so hard from the floor above us. Yep. That was an interesting weekend. Mm -hmm. It just turned out into a weekend of frantic calls to the technical service, trying to figure out what's wrong, calling our PIs, calling our safety officers, calling people because they said that the air system was failing, which meant that we couldn't work there the entire week because they didn't have spare parts to fix it on hand. But I had my experiment that I had come in to do that Saturday. That was my, my big, big, important experiment that I had been working on for 40 months that I really, really needed to do. So I was panicking and... Yeah. In the end, I, I had to take my cells to another location to do the to do the, the culture on them. And um, I just I kept in contact with the technical service. And in the end, they made a, a sort of patch um, fix to make sure that we could at least work there that week. But it was not fun. It was not fun. And mm -hmm. the roof was literally falling down on top of our head in this in this cell culture facility. The, the PIs came, they tried to fix it. Um, yeah, it, it was bad. Yep. Well, you were there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I uh, almost had some things fall on me at a certain point trying to, uh, cause I also had an experiment to do. 
Um, so yeah, just walking through like a, and it was, it wasn't like we just discovered everything in one go and you know, oh, it's all of this. At a certain point I needed to go to another room. It's like, oh, this is also a problem. Yeah. Yeah. That our storage room, for example. Oh yeah. Fun. Yeah. But they did some emergency repairs and, um, in the end we were allowed to, to work again. I mean, yeah. So. Work went on. I continued my very big experiment, three, four week big experiment with the knockdowns. And then I get a call from Jaron just when oh, I'm yeah. about <laughs> to about to refresh my medium on my on my macrophages. I'm sorry. And he says, Yeah, the GP wants me to go to the emergency care at the hospital because he, well he had this this weird back pain that he just wanted to get checked out by the GP. But now the GP was worried that it was an infection. And he had to go to the emergency care. Well, I freaked out. That was not something I expected. I wasn't expecting it. I just walked out of there like, okay, um, time to call you, I guess. Yeah. We are very excited to be able to introduce you to our new sponsor, Jenny AI. Not only does Jenny make our podcast possible, it also makes our life as scientists so much easier. Jenny is an all-in-one writing assistant that has everything that we have been missing in other AI tools. Yes, first off, unlike other AI tools, it actually finds accurate information in papers and cites its sources. It does not make things up and only uses real verified information that you can then also check the source of. Second, it's a writing assistant trained for academic papers and helps you write your paper by suggesting the next sentence or the end of your sentence. Or, if you get really stuck, you can ask it to write an entire paragraph completely removing the writer's block I so often struggle with when I don't know the right words to make my point. It helped me write an introduction to a paper I've been struggling with in half an hour. It even suggests which papers to cite. You can add your own library or search the entire internet for papers. Just type the add symbol to easily add a reference and it gets automatically added to the reference list. And the last thing we absolutely love is that it has an AI chatbot that can see your document and give feedback on how to improve your manuscript. Or you can ask it questions, such as what are the potential therapeutic benefits of dot dot dot, and it will search through the papers for you for the answer. I can only say that my stress level has gone down significantly since I started using Jenny. Check out the free version now at thestrugglingscientist.com slash Jenny, and if you love it, use the code SCIENCE20 for a 20% discount. And anybody who has ever spent time on the emergency care, know, at least in the Netherlands, knows it just takes forever. And we really didn't know what was going on. We really didn't know how bad it was. And then in the end, it was late. And they just sent us home with the message to come back as soon as it took a turn for the worse. Um, it was just back pain. Yeah. <laughs> in the end, it was a complete false alarm and everything was fine with J-Runs. Huh? You're still fine? Yes, still fine. Yes, okay. I'm planning on doing a marathon, so it can't be all that bad. No, but I mean, I didn't know that at that time. And no. I was still super worried because these doctors kept saying that it might take, it might, it might get a lot worse, mm -hmm. that we would have to get immediately back then. But the next day, I had to collect those samples for my big experiment. And I mean, I had been working on that for 40 months. And at that point, I don't think I had the best priorities anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really know anymore what was important and what not. Looking back on that, I should have just stayed at home with Jaron. No, it was But fine. Um, 
I decided to go in, collect those samples as quickly as I could, which would still take the entire day because, you know, you cannot rush that, that much. And then just text Jaron every few minutes to ask if he was okay. I was being spammed like crazy. You were being spammed. And again, it was a complete false alarm later, but mm-hmm. I was I was still like full of adrenaline from a night at the emergency care and like wor- worried a lot. So I was telling my colleagues about my night, <laughs> my <laughs> evening at the emergency care. And they were like, uh, uh, well, uh, just go do it fast then and go home. And then I go into into the cell culture facility and then I see my worst nightmare. It was already before that, but ever since then, it's like even worse. Fungus. Fungus in my plates. First on one, and then another, and then another one. In no sensible order, just completely spread out through the stacks of 40 dishes. Fungus. Turned out that the incubator was had malfunctioned somehow and fungus had started growing on the bottom. <sighs> so I talked to my PI, who was super, super nice about it, thank God. I mean, I think he, he could also see that that this was this was a bit too much for me mm-hmm. in combination with the emergent care thing and already working on this for 14 months and oh. And then I went back to my office and I just sit there for a while and stare at my screen. And I think one of my colleagues made a made a weird joke about something completely unrelated. And then I just started crying. I don't even know anymore what triggered it, but it was it was just too much to to hold it together. Um, everything, oh, it was so bad. I was crying about the fungus in the plates, about an experiment that that was going wrong everywhere where the roof was literally falling down on me and that I had been working on for more than a year but all those missed weekends all those weekends that I just decided to go to the lab because it would be the last experiment and it would be the experiment that would work and then I could or the experiment before the experiments that I that I then could do and send to lipidomics um uh, crying about what the hell was happening with Jaron that I still didn't know if 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 it was something life-threatening or not because the doctors had really worried us. Yeah, when they started recommending you like, so you want some morphine? We can give you some morphine. <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, it was just bad. But thank God I had some super nice colleagues that were really nice to me and, and like helped. And then, then I was sort of put back together again. And then I had to go to, to, to M the technician that was helping me with all of this and tell her also that we now need to redo this entire experiment that I needed to trash the whole thing. I hadn't done it yet at that point because I just I just couldn't anymore for, for a moment. And then I went to M and then <laughs> I started crying again. Um, and we have some, some technicians that don't speak Dutch. So they didn't really know what the conversation <laughs> between me and M was about. And... Em took me for a cup of tea and she was super nice and she she helped me and like talked about ah this is just part of the job and uh, I will fix it we'll just do it again super nice but meanwhile the English speaking colleague was super worried that something really really bad had, had happened to Jaron and that that was why I was no, crying no not Jaron he was my favorite <laughs> yes <laughs> but he was actually asking people like oh my god no did something happen to Jaron so when I heard that Jay- later that also sort of brought things back into perspective that it, it, it was just cells it was just fungus 
they would grow again. I could redo it. It would it would go. It would be okay. So I trashed all my cells. Maybe cried some more alone in cell culture. Maybe not. I, I will not admit <laughs> to anything. Um, <laughs> and then uh, went home. And then the next day, I started planning to do it all over again. Because that's just the resilience that you need as a scientist to every time pick yourself up again, put yourself back together. Uh, we all cry sometimes about about experiments that fail that we have been working on for forever. It's It's just part of the job. I think it's honestly one of the most important qualities of a PhD student to be resilient, tenacious, and not give up, and uh, to to go to the bitter end for something, to go through hell for the stupid experiment that you want in your paper because it will make your point so well. And sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Thank God, after like getting after redoing this whole experiment, the second time it went completely fine. I used a clean incubator, a different one that didn't malfunction. The results that came back from the lipidomics were exactly what we wanted. The paper is going to happen, so it all turned out fine. That isn't always the case, of course. But, I mean, if it wasn't, I wouldn't be talking about this, honestly. <laughs> then I would still have a trauma. So, yeah. I, I wanted to tell this story just to show that um, these things happen. The, these these cursed <laughs> experiments definitely happen. And um, to to not give up. I Even guess. when roofs are falling on you. Even when roofs are falling down on you, everything mm. seems to go wrong. Fungus happens. Don't give up. <laughs> just just walk through that falling roof and keep doing those experiments. Yes. Yeah. Do you have anything to add to that, Jaron? I'm I'm just I'm sort of taken aback, but also sort of humbled by the fact that your colleagues worry so much about me. Like, <laughs> no, not Jaron. <laughs> Yes. Well, yeah. You, uh, you really want this experiment in your paper. I do. Yeah, I need it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the paper. It's, it's the paper. The, the experiment from the paper. So, yeah. Mm. Okay. We'll definitely need to highlight the paper when it comes out uh, that this is the paper for, from the experiment. Oh, yes. Yes. It has to go into the cutting edge research pile that we can make fun of it, of course. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> we definitely need to make fun of our own papers. That's mm. that for sure. Okay. Well, I hope this wasn't a too negative anniversary episode. <laughs> um, but um, I think it, it's really fun to uh, to share these kind of experiences too and not only show the, the, the good, nice side of, of science. And also, again, I am not the only one with these kind of experiments. Everybody has done and the resilience that that scientists show is just it impresses me so much so often and also my colleagues i mean it just it's a, it's a hard job it's not easy if you want to comment or or reach us you can do that via our facebook page our linkedin page our twitter our twitter uh or our email account which is the struggling scientist at hotmail.com Thanks everybody for listening. Bye. Oh, bye.